0: Hello, you are listening to Skip Intro. I'm Lee Chui Lin, and in the studio with me today, Ian McNally and Julian Yap. And, um, you know... There's no kind way to say this, really. Um, today, <laughs> our show is about bombs, uh, movies that just did not do well in the cinema. Um, and I think, really, rather than just talk about the ones that likely just didn't do well because the um, we're going to be talking instead <laughs> about the movies that didn't do well, and we don't fully understand why, or we just want to talk a little bit about why maybe we love them, you might love them, who knows. Um, Ian, you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, I'm going to start with John Carter, which I know is not an awful lot of love in the room. But when I saw that movie, I think I'd already seen it after everyone said it was awful. I I hadn't had time to go see it in the cinema. I saw it in a mostly empty cinema and was delighted and thought, this isn't that bad a movie. And there's no reason for it to deserve the amount of bile it got. Yes, I mean, the biggest problem with most of these movies is just more marketing and market research. John Carter was going to be a hard sell because everything that made it unique has been ripped off by everything from Star Wars to Flash Gordon in the 100 plus years since the books were written. So I heard everything bad about it and I was thinking this is going to be trash. And yet, Taylor Kitsch isn't that bad. You've got a big green, um, another green copy of Willem Dafoe, this time with multiple arms going, dotar sojat. There's just, I didn't know what was going on the whole time. I was able to, you know, there's, there's an interesting-ish story. Kieran Hines is there for some reason. James Purefoy is the one who's swishing his cape around a lot in that as well. There's just a weird mix of characters and everything. I was unlike things you'd seen. And it reminded me a little bit of another one that's on the Wikipedia list of biggest uh, bombs, which is um, Jupiter Rising. Rising, Ascending. Jupiter Ascending. I can never get that right. Okay,
0: I just got to say, no, (laughs) no, no, it does not. I I mean, so I don't feel bilious or hateful towards John Carter. I Mm -hmm. just feel board. Right. So like I started watching it and um, I, I, I didn't make it to the cinema because um, uh,
2: I That's mean, why I didn't
1: make any money. <laughs> yeah like
2: it, do you know, it was mm. because I still I don't think I ever watched it but what for, for me what about John Carter was that the trailer was awful.
1: Yeah that's a lot that happens for a lot of these things. Like
2: Prince of Persia and John Carter. Yeah. I can't separate the two <laughs> and the fact that this came out in 2012 so I have memory of it is mm. crazy because I've just googled this and I don't remember a single thing about um, it. I watched it and I don't remember a single thing <laughs> about so It looks so unspectacular.
0: I, um, it, it's a little odd. Um, I just found it a slog. Like, I, I get that there were things to be delighted by. I mean, mm. when you were speaking, Ian, I was like, yeah, <laughs> okay, I, yeah, those things occurred.
1: Yeah. Um, but, but
0: somehow, when I was watching it, I, I didn't feel anything. i my, I think it's
1: long as well, right?
0: It's long and and there's long bits where you just go through things and and I don't think they made good use of an actor who was at that point in time trying to sort of do the the TV to to movie thing and Friday Night Lights is so great. Um,
1: And everything he touched turned to awful rubbish. Uh, He was the battleship and all those things. He just chose, he chose poorly.
0: That's the thing. So I I wanted to like it out of, you know, like, hey, Riggins, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to do this, but nah, I I just could not do it. Um, But
1: but, but me tying it together with Jupiter Ascending was what you're going on this. So was that like you, Liked Jupiter ascending more? No, I Jupiter, just
0: think Jupiter ascending is incredible. Okay, here I we go. I think Jupiter so, ascending is yeah. insane. Like, so yeah. at, at least I think all the insanity that you saw yeah. in John Carter that I did not personally get, <laughs> um, instead, I think you like multiply it by eight yeah. and mm-hmm. you dump it in one movie, and that's Jupiter ascending.
1: Your planet was seeded by brass axe industries roughly 100,000 years ago. It's one of the most powerful dynasties in the universe. There are three primary heirs. The oldest is Belém. He's the one that controls this planet and wants you dead. I'm telling you, I'm
0: nobody.
1: You are royalty. That, that's the, the reason why Like, I'm disappointed that he's bombed. It would have been okay if they did okay because Hollywood is ridiculously risk-averse. And we need more flying dogmen on their flying skateboards to rescue, you know, toilet cleaners movies. That was... It bonkers was it? It's Sean Bean who can control of the bees. There's like
2: the entire film is ridiculous. It's so much fun, and it's exactly what you expect from a film by the Wachowskis mm, sisters. Yeah. It makes so much sense. It the fact that that bombed makes no sense to me. The fact that something similar that came out two years ago, which is Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, with Cara Delavine and Dane DeHaan, I'm glad that bombed. That was Awful, but
1: it lost less than. Yeah, it, it actually it had a lo- smaller loss yeah. because apparently he pre- he made a lot he got a lot of the money from other things up front. I mean,
2: the fact that it was directed by Luke Besson is also not great. Yeah. I mean, you would not want to give that money.
1: In that case, it, I mean, that's one of those things where I'm when you're so close to a film, you're seeing it all the time. I'm sure you've written it. You've, you're you know even when you're casting and stuff, you're too close to see you know the problems. The number one being. Dane DeHaan and Carla Delevingne have negative chemistry. Mm-hmm. There's literally... They're speaking to be, at each other. He's supposed to be Han Solo, and instead he's like Luke Skywalker's more annoying, younger, squeakier brother. Like, it doesn't work at and all. And
2: then you have Rihanna, and she doesn't do anything, but she changes into a blob sometimes. It's, yeah. Re- I mean, it's I, I, so
1: I, wasted. The, the world... It, there's a, there's a bazaar that they go to that's in another dimension that's visually interesting. Like, there's a lot of visual interesting stuff there. It's just the story to tie it all together is... Ugh.
0: So, is Guardians of the Galaxy less weird? I, I'm just thinking, right? Like mm. in terms of bonkersness, like what what is the outer limit for blockbuster success? I mean, because clearly, I think Jupiter Ascending it's weird because it's like a very strange film that has been put into a blockbuster sized template. Mm. So it's almost like a much smaller, weirder movie. But they made it with a blockbuster budget and then they made it to achieve that kind of like, you like explosions, right? See? You see? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, like, I'm just thinking, what is the outer limit of of strange, you know, that people are kind of willing to to take or that people will will get bums on seats? Like, I don't know. Guardians is weird, but it has a history because it's got the
1: comics. But the comics are also like... (laughs) There's no Guardians of the Galaxy comic like that. Yeah. And it's also... They've got their weird and they put a really good sheen, a good coat of paint of, like, humour, charm, you know, beautiful-looking people... And you know, and then a Kick-Ass soundtrack. From, I mean,
2: I mean, for me, it's the safety of the franchise. I think without it, I don't think it would have worked as well. It, mm. it just came out at a very good time within the phase and some mm. star power. Yeah,
0: yeah, some star but power. But there wouldn't
1: no one's making space pirate movies. There was a huge amount of them in the '80s that were like after the after the first couple of Star Wars movies were over with, people started making those and in some cases reused the special effects from Roger Corman's Space Cowboy in like 16 or 17 different movies that I would mm. only realize were the same special effects halfway through watching them as a kid. So. They stopped making those because they drove that industry into the dirt. I think Guardians of the Galaxy was. I think saying it realizing the comic is a bit giving the comic a lot of leeway because they've never made. I don't think they've ever managed to have a comic go for more than like a year over oh. the course of like yes. sixty or seventy years. <laughs>
0: To bring it back to the Wachowskis, though, can I just give some love and some shine to Cloud Atlas? Because mm. I know that this one gets on lists all the time of like movies that just. utterly bombed but the truth is and and I think I loved it so much because I love the book um Mm. and because I love Ben Wishaw, and you know I love I do not love Jim Sturgis I love Jim Broadbent (laughs) I was gonna say Jim and then I I paused um which Jim yeah which Jim (laughs) um I love Jim Broadbent and you know Tom Hanks is always good and and so there were all these things about it that I really enjoyed um
1: and then it was bonkers as well.
0: Yeah, but it makes more sense when you've read the book. Yeah. So because mm-hmm. the book is much worse, like much crazier. So oh, really? yeah. So when you watch the movie, it's like sure, 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 sure. This is a structure, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so um I think I think that helps. But I I really think that Cloud Atlas is one of those films, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, it benefits from a rewatch. Um mm-hmm. the problem is that it's so off putting to most people that I think it's like you you never dream of watching it again. But it actually rewards um multiple rewatches because things make more sense Mm. Uh, you're less discombobulated uh, you're less thrown off by the weird effects uh, which show up from time to time and in the middle of it all there's like kind of a really beautiful story it's just told in a a confusing very multi-layered way and yeah you know Guys, it was it was
2: kind of a good movie <laughs> for me about Cloud Atlas was that I was disappointed because I loved the book so much. and mm. it didn't it kind of didn't hold up. and but Ben Whishaw was perfect. Ben Whishaw was great, but like the film also has a lot of yellow face in it, and it wasn't mm. you know, it pulls me out of it. But I remember Cloud Atlas coming out and you know, the marketing for it and all of that. and it was supposed to be this epic. and mm. it fell short of an epic because it deserves an epic, this book. Yeah, we
0: actually haven't addressed the issue of marketing sufficiently. Mm. Uh, we're going to come back and talk about that because I think that's a big contributor to all these things. Uh, we're going to continue running down some box office bombs. Uh, let us know what some of yours are, the ones that you are a secret fan of uh, but nobody else seemed to love and certainly, the block, certainly uh, box office didn't Show any love whatsoever. WhatsApp us at 18 789 Tweet us at Skip Intro MY. Write us at movies at bfm.my.
1: Break from mediocrity. BFM 89.9.
0: Hello, you are listening to Skip Intro with Lynn, Ian and Julian. Uh, today we're talking about movies that bombed movies that did not do well in the box office, but that kind of, you know, deserve maybe a second look. And, you know, we we kind of ran through a few. And one of the recurring movies that come up on the list time and time again um, is Blade Runner. Um, mm. In fact, both Blade Runners um,
1: yeah. with Har- with two Harrison what quotes, a perfect but, you know. <laughs> What a perfect sequel. They did a sequel to their box office results as well. A little bit more, but obviously they put in more, so... It... Yeah,
0: I don't know what that is. Yeah. I, I've, I've wondered whether it's just... Um, is it the cost of the film? Was, was it that the cost of the film was so great that they were never going to recoup it? I don't know. It's mm. like,
2: because I, I liked it. Yeah. I
0: enjoyed both.
2: I mean, they got everything right for that one, right? Yeah. Like they got Denis Villeneuve. 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 They got, um, you know, they got Roger Deakins. They got...
1: Harrison Ford. Yeah,
2: they got Harrison Ford back. And I think what bled it down there was everyone thought, well, I have to watch the original to watch this one. Oh. Blade Runner is one of the films where, you know, you say you watch, but you haven't really watched it. Not the whole <laughs> way through. Come on. So, you know, i that's, for me, that's what that's what it suffered from. And putting it on Netflix where it is now, it's not the right medium for it because it's a film that should be enjoyed on the big screen because it's Absolutely. got so much to, you know, take in.
1: On that marketing element as well, I don't Did either of you see Mortal Engines? Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> did you enjoy it?
2: Um,
0: with reservations, yes. But yeah. in the cinema... Great ride, um, really fun, nice way to spend a couple of hours.
1: It's steampunk Star Wars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and with bad lo- acting. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they lost $175 million on it because they didn't tell anyone it was steampunk Star Wars. Moral
0: Engine Engines
2: is such an anomaly. I love it.
0: <laughs> they also didn't tell anyone that. I, I think people might have been, I don't know whether people thought it was Peter Jackson or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they put his name on the poster, but they weren't clear as to like, oh, what his level of involvement in it, I think mm-hmm. people just got misled by that as well
1: and it speaks yeah. to the marketing because for the long I mean if we see a trailer a lot that we're going to see a trailer a lot because we get to the preview movies every week but i think everyone was complaining about the number of times they'd seen um london eat that smaller town because that was the only trailer it didn't tell you yeah. anything else about the, what the movie was it
2: was just peter jackson speaking at you telling you hey guys enjoy my new film yeah. mortal engines but i watched it three times in the cinema it's
1: so <laughs> it's so much
2: fun it's such a good ride and the fact that it bombed so badly like yeah it's not it for me what the problem with mortal engines was that it came out at the wrong time mm. i think it should have come out Three years before, when steampunk, teen—you know, the hunger, the Hunger Games time—when we were having that big um, teen rebellion thing, that it should have come out then.
1: Hmm. Another one that got screwed over by its marketing was: uh, Did you even hear of the kid who would be king?
2: There was a kid, and he became king.
1: Well, he would be king. Yeah, yeah. there was a sword. This was uh, directed by Joe Cornish, who. He, he directed Attack the Block and he also... So he brought the world um, John... Boyega. Boyega. He brought mm-hmm. the world John Boyega. Um, He also worked on Tintin. He's been... He worked on Ant-Man with Edgar Wright so he's been busy not making movies and this movie looked like BBC... Like a, a TV movie promoted to the big screen and was like, why? And I was going in expecting this guy's going to just ruin it because there's like... The trailers have the kids in armour like night armour and it mm-hmm. looks ropey yeah. and... Everything they do plays into that, and it is one of the sweetest, coolest King Arthur movies you can watch. And they have like rules for why the parents can't get involved. Mm. And Patrick Stewart's there for often bits of time to be Merlin. The kid who plays the the camouflage version of Merlin is absolutely fantastic at everything he does, and the movie completely won me over. But that advertising campaign just made it look. Awful. It
2: looked like a 2019 attempt at doing Spy Kids again.
1: Yeah, it looked That's like a movie that didn't... would go on Disney Channel.
2: Yeah. One <laughs> of my favorites that uh, was a big bomb when it came out was Sinbad Legend of the Seven Seas. This it's film. Animated. Yeah, the animated Ooh. one. This film bombed so badly because it just came out at a time that uh, we were moving towards 3D animation. So Shrek was coming out. Shrek almost ruined DreamWorks animation studios because kids wanted to see um, you know 3D animation. So this traditionally animated, beautiful film hardly made any money and mm-hmm. almost bankrupted the <laughs> entire studio. And it was I mean animated Heaven's Gate. Yeah, they're fine now, but like, oof. A lot of these films have gotten a following and a lot of love after um, one of my favorite animation films of all time is Atlantis from mm-hmm. Disney. That one did horribly. <laughs> Do you guys remember The Road to El Dorado? Yes. Yes. I it, love that the, it movie. Oh, really? well, but it's so celebrated and loved online. Yeah. Because of, you know, the kids who did manage to catch in the cinemas and are now adults. So now we're watching it all the time.
1: One that I was completely, the marketing seemed to be on, uh, on target, the cast, the soundtrack, everything seemed to be going its way and I got to see it early and then it never came to Malaysia it was Scott Pilgrim versus the world.
0: If we're going to date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. You have seven evil ex-boyfriends? Seven evil exes, yes. And I have to fight? Defeat. Defeat your seven evil exes if we're going to continue to date?
2: Pretty much.
1: So what you're saying right now is we are dating? Uh, I guess. Cool. This movie did not do well in cinemas to the point that it didn't come out here. I was so hyped because I got lucky enough to see it at Comic Con in 2010. And it was like, I can't wait for everyone to see this movie. And then no one got to see that movie. And I'm still bitter to this day because (laughs) I just think that film is visually spectacular. I don't think there's any boring moments, the soundtrack, the music's brilliant, but just the visual tying together of like a video game aesthetic and a stoner rock band and everything else just works perfectly for me.
2: Reed Larson's performance in that is incredible.
1: Yeah. Brandon Ruth is incredible. That's the song that introduced me to Metric and also her performance of Black Sheep is fantastic. And it's just... You know, and it's a it's a good message as well. You know, the power of love doesn't save Scott. It's the power of self-belief, I think, right? Or self-respect.
0: And, you know, it's, it's a really great movie, but I can also see why it wouldn't do that well. Mm. I, as in, this is what I'm saying. Like, I think that as audience members, we're just really capricious, you guys. Like, mm. it's really <laughs> impossible to predict what it is that you're going to like. Because mm. um, in theory, there's lots of stuff there. It's like, There's a teenager thing, there's a love of life thing, there's a it's funny, evil exes, like all of it's kind of whimsical but not too much yeah. um, it's got music but not too much it's got a very believable sort of dweeb as you know the hero like like all of it should work um, and yet I think it just takes it over the edge with like the visual styles mm. um, with the fact that it's like uh, it's like comic book style but then people aren't familiar with the comic book so they don't get why it's being told this way. It's really weird I don't know what the weird trigger is mm. that turns people off but it clearly exists. Because
1: yeah, even, even the editing in that movie is so fast paced and you know older people will complain about oh the editing on movies today is too mm-hmm. fast paced and even that didn't win people over and even the, the trailer had a song by uh, Prodigy Evil Must Die and even that was perfectly timed to that trailer and was like this looks like a musical it's going to be great and even that didn't get bums on seats
2: I think as an audience member, being bombarded with a lot of content a lot of the time, you get a trailer for a film and it comes out two or three months before. There's a lot of hype, you know, it gets a hashtag, whatever. Mm. But the second, the, there's a second trailer, then there's a third trailer, and there's a final trailer. And we're getting teaser trailers six months before as well and mm. where it's just a glass slipper. So it's like, how many times it's, you know, repetitive and the excitement for it's gone because by that time, ten films in the mean, have come out in the meantime. If you think about a comedy, five other comedies have come out in the meantime. So how are we how are we supposed to keep up? Yeah.
0: I think there's a whole show there, isn't there, about how we choose to watch what we watch mm. mm-hmm. because it's a weird thing. And and I really don't know what it is that um, makes somebody turn off what looks to be like a fun ride because mm-hmm. there are some shows where you're just like this trailer is great, everything's great, and then ba boom, and it just never comes back. Because so, you're essentially taking a chance of a film every time yeah. you buy a ticket. Yeah. what have been some of your favorites that haven't done well in the box office where you were like just so sure that this is gonna work you guys and then it just really didn't um, whatsapp us at 18 tweet us at skipintromy write us at movies at bfm.my